You are listening to Oblivion. It is May 8th, 2023. Well, David, uh, God save the king. Mommy ain't no human being. Uh, we, uh, all our life we've been, um, subjects. To the hierarchy. <laughs> to the hierarchy. Sure, it wasn't the, action, the queen. Sure, we had that revolution back, uh, all those years ago. Heck, we're creeping up on 250 now. But that's always the question. I mean, do things <laughs> really change after a revolution? <laughs> or are revolutions really just bursts of energy that have been mounting like an earthquake yeah. and plate tectonics <laughs> that you have the human motion of its own plate tectonic system, right? The human emotion. And sooner or later... Uh, at least it's one way to look at history. It just uh, has a burst. And then you have later, does it really um, make a difference? And honestly, do look back. I mean, I think back to, uh, and I'm not a historian. I'm certainly not a expert on the British monarchy. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that uh, in terms of rights and somebody not being able just to pluck you from uh, your home and say, I don't like you, I don't like something that you did, I'm going to chop your head off, you know, I'm the king, that if you want to call it progress, maybe that's a bit of a step. Um, <laughs> uh, to not have your head I, chopped off. I like off. to call America the land of many kings, because the real question, and you've always been good about bringing up the issue of hierarchy uh, it, across a number of contexts and mm-hmm. examples. Yeah, And so... Does it really do you any good to break away from the king? And you're not a colony anymore. If you're then going to turn around and be the subject of some other super powerful person, even if they aren't a king, right? And that's where I would say it's it's kind of uh, a bit of a push to say, did the American Revolution really bring about some kind of amazing freedom beyond, of course, the freedom? to get your brains blown out. Right? <laughs> yeah. Second, have, it's a, they're in the second amendment. Position, right. Like you have England, the, the coronation and uh, beautiful, this beautiful singing. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of the coronation, but I, I did think as a theatrical performance, a lot of it was uh, pretty spectacular. Certainly mm-hmm. the music was great. I don't know if you saw the one guy who in, uh, in Welch, no. I thought that was just amazing because <laughs> he has this amazing voice. And of course it's that, uh, gothic cathedral right mm-hmm. it's really really tall and uh-huh. that was also pretty amazing to mm-hmm. look at especially when they showed the views from above and you see just how like wow this is this is an enormous uh place and of course the acoustics have to be amazing but this guy was singing in welch and uh he has this booming voice and then i thought I, what is he singing it's like <laughs> i don't think this is english and um is it like uh, gaelic or, or something and uh yeah. It's so, it's more uh, like Gaelic, yes. <laughs> but if we if we want to uh, look at it beyond the pageantry, and in fact, uh, I actually thought of this at the time. I'm glad I'm uh, remembering it. One of the reasons that so much goes into the uh, the art and and the theater, right, the ceremony that that uh, promotes and elevates the is they really are no different. 
right? I mean, right, there isn't yeah. anything about them that's different from us at mm-hmm. all. And that's really yeah, the that, crux of the that idea. Was, I was looking at the signs, the protester signs, you know, not my king and stuff. And, and one of the signs was, he's just a guy. <laughs> you know, so yeah, right. to your point. Um, yeah, all the, all the pomp and circumstance of... of uh, is is the show and of course it is mostly a ceremonial position in Britain uh, right but and, and that's the case but nonetheless they're, yeah that the sorry go ahead well d- that's um right I mean it, going back to the theme of revolution um <clears throat> yeah I mean uh, what changed in the revolution for America well we did give up the the strict um um open open class system right uh then it was basically uh the landowners uh <clears throat> the democracy of the landowner uh, the owner class right uh especially the owners of slaves right <laughs> um you right. know so uh there there was your big revolutionary uh, uh shift um as far as the the law uh, as far as the law goes not not huge differences right i mean it was english law and and much of it we still have um uh you know f- fortunately we don't uh, just hang people willy-nilly for like uh stealing something or pickpocket <laughs> yeah being a pickpocket or uh, that sort of thing uh sure there's been a little progress uh and those sort of things but uh um, yeah, it's, it's the the revolution is a fraught word, and uh, sure it could mean the what would the maximalist revolution be? Uh, it would be more like Russia, where it was like a total overthrow uh, at nineteen uh, fourteen, the fourteen or seventeen, seventeen. Um, uh, that was definitely more uh, intense um, than the American uh, so-called revolution. Uh, I mean, there was definitely a, a cha- systemic change in both situations, but one was much more extreme. Now, this this will transition us, David, into uh, our revolution, uh, where Bernie, uh, I guess because it was such a whimper that I didn't even hear about it. This is now a couple weeks ago. Uh, apparently, Bernie endorsed Biden. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and, and I've been, uh, you can go back in previous a podcast where even though we've generally supported the progressive ideas that Biden, I mean, uh, I mean, Bernie uh, talks, has talked about, um, I, you know, I never liked the idea of him using our revolution because the stuff that he was talking about, it's not revolutionary at all. Uh, it, you know, at most, it's kind of a worthy conservatism of bringing back progressive values that have been lost, right? Uh, to continue um, uh, the New Deal notion and, um, uh, you know, having uh, universal health care and these other social programs expanding them, you know, none of which have right, right. been, ex- they've been in retrograde since, you know, we've been alive, basically. And uh, so he would want a worthy conservative to bring these back, but yet he used this for the name of his, whatever the fuck it is, uh, our revolution, you know. So it's it's definitely, you know, um, overselling, right, the situation here. Uh, even if these things were, he got in, into the presidency uh, uh, and, you know, they he had a vast majority of people in the legislature, uh would a revolution have occurred? Uh, no. Um, some maybe 
uh, uh, we would have gotten some progressive change, right? Um, now, uh, it was fraught from the beginning, uh, but here we are, and let me let me just quickly read you uh, Ralph Nader's. This is how I f- even found out about it, because Ralph Nader on his show uh, had a critique of it. And uh, I'll quickly, it's not too long, it's a paragraph of his... Uh, uh, of his thoughts. Um, I think it was a strategic of Bernie um, endorsing Biden. Uh, Ralph Nader says, I think it was a strategic mistake. He endorsed him without any conditions. He didn't get any commitments from Joe Biden for his endorsement. And because of his leadership role among progressive politicians, he has undermined progressive legislators from holding out and pulling Biden and corporate Democrats more into progressive territory. I was shocked by his early endorsement and receiving nothing in return. The only explanation is that Bernie Sanders fears fascism more than he fears Democratic Party corporatism. And except for the civil liberty, civil rights aspect of it, which is very important, corporatism and fascism overlap. And it's shameful that he pulled the rug out from under his colleagues who were trying to pull the Democratic Party towards progressive policies that he has championed. Single payer, living wage, cracking down on corporate crime, revising the tax system, reducing the impact and range of the empire, adhering to the rule of law and the Constitution by runaway presidents. All these things he has commented about and taken positions on in the past, and he has thrown them over the side with his unilateral endorsement of Joe Biden for re-election in 2024. Um, it's hard to put that any better. Yeah, uh, corporatism <laughs> and fascism overlap. Yeah. That's really the... Yeah. The nugget, the golden nugget of, of that one, and it's absolutely right. In other words, it, it's useless to fear fascism if you're going to uh, then endorse fascism, right, mm-hmm. in order to stop fascism. It's like the whole Obamacon, Clinton, Biden hierarchy, right, which is what they are. <laughs> they are mm-hmm. the hierarchy of mm-hmm. Right, yeah. That party. To get, to get back to our The King's theme. Yeah. They're the people that gave <laughs> us Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, another one of uh, my big issues, and I think yours as well, marijuana legalization, that's something that I thought of with what Nader was saying, right? Mm-hmm. That doing it unconditionally, which is mm-hmm. another good point, that it's, there's no, instead of saying something like, you know, I believe in Joe Biden, but mm-hmm. we need to, right? And so, but for him, yeah, it's, you know, Bernie's just like, it's always the same old thing in America. It, no matter who it is or what you think it might become, it, it, it goes nowhere. And I think, if anything, that says a lot about the idea of revolution and do things really change when you say you've got the a coronation of a new king in Britain. And then you look at America and there's no way to change anything, anything like nothing uh, can can budge. I, mean, I know Delaware legalized it uh, read today that it looks like it may go through in uh, Minnesota. Uh, but still, you know, nationally, nothing's happened at all. Like it doesn't get taken off. Well, and, I, and, and Bernie did did say that he would he would legalize uh, he, if he was president. Uh, right. But, you so know, it, it he hasn't really that, he right, hasn't brought that up. Right. He hasn't brought that up since then, uh, basically. Exactly. And the message is the message that's repeated. Right. It's you can't just say this was said once <laughs> or it was said mm-hmm. over a course of, of time. Mm-hmm. But 
seven years ago, right? Right. And then, uh, or this was covered. Well, sure, it was, they covered it one day, and then has it been talked about uh, since? Climate change is a good example of that. Like when we had the monster tornadoes and then the insane flooding last year when eastern Kentucky got ravaged, there was a short time when climate change was regularly in the news but even that's again the manufactured cultural amnesia it just kind of goes away um so but with bernie and legalization now would be an excellent time to brought that up and and like if you're bernie you can still basically be making an endorsement right uh like i think you know president biden's done a good job all the regular bullshit and Mm -hmm. then you say but uh uh, I think we need to still move forward on marijuana legalization. You know, Mr. President, that's your home state of Delaware that just did it. But of course, if you can't even say something like that, um, then uh, that's that's really sad. And it and it just shows how the reason things never go anywhere is at the core. People like Bernie Sanders, you know, they there's just something missing. They don't really believe in what they're saying. I mean, mm-hmm. they believe in it intellectually, mm-hmm. but they don't they don't feel it. Yeah, 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 and and I th- I think what I was just across my mind one of the the biggest critiques I had with uh, Bernie, and I think going forwards, you might as well just off the gate uh, not support any politician on the national level that isn't anti-war and anti-empire explicitly. I mean, damn I, right, damn straight, well yeah, said. Yeah, hell yeah. Otherwise, they're. Um, they're not being consi- they're not being consistent uh, if they're going to talk about uh, equality at home. Overlap, like what's the point of saying you're against fascism right. when no matter what happens, you're basically always at war. Right? Yeah, you're yeah. manufacturing these these things that just uh, kill people. And even if it's an enemy soldier, it's still just like the king. It's still a human being, right? And that's part of that's that's a fundamental trait of fascism is the inability to get beyond labels right that, and that's why i think americans are so hierarchical in their thinking and they're they're so locked into the spotlight and riches and the the money and the luxury i mean wouldn't you say that that is something that the americans adhere to and they've got to drive their cars and they've got to have their things right yeah and, and um, right and and to to kind of go along with the um uh, military theme and and guns and of course uh, there's been major mass killings and stuff but there was just a single killing we'll start off with the quote killing meaning murder of uh, Jordan Neely uh, in the subways of New York City um, a an ex uh, marine or maybe he was a marine I don't know uh, <clears throat> they of course are still not naming this Marine who put a chokehold on a distraught, mentally ill uh, guy in the subways. And, um, you know, he uh, used this chokehold on him and uh, killed him, right? And what was so sickening about that was the prevarications uh, that politicians, and especially, of course, the police, who have yet to charge this murderer uh, for choking out this... uh, uh, Michael Jackson impersonator, uh, 
who is having some kind of a mental breakdown on the subway and the the way to quote subdue him uh he oops accidentally killed him while oops subduing him with a chokehold which um uh here's an article doctors have long warned that chokeholds are deadly and that you know basically if you're not willing to kill if you're not <laughs> if your intent isn't to kill someone you shouldn't use a chokehold so <laughs> uh, uh but yet because there's concurrent with this um chokehold murder in the uh new york city uh, nationwide there's been a I'm, I'm sure you see it way more than me as just a media and across uh, the board beat down on the homeless right because now they're the big threat to everybody's uh, you know, the criminality is all these homeless people who are just lazy, right? I mean, it's not uh, they're lazy or, you know, sure, they're mentally ill, but really that's, you know, uh, you know, you might have to choke, choke hold them to death to get them to shut up, these crazy bastards, you know. Uh, but that's been going on across the nation. So, of course, there's this uh, we're not going to charge the guy with that, you know, and this is just what happens when you're uh, homeless in america you know uh you know you should have you should have gotten your education you should have got you know you should have been born to a family that had money um you know um you know this is our uh our our our, uh wonderful uh uh democracy that we uh, fought a revolution over um so before I get more sick on that one, uh, let's let's go to uh, uh, the the more um, touchy feely uh, Texas shooting uh, uh, in the mall. <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw that article I sent to you. It was like there was this the first first responder to get there. You know, there was like carnage. There was like I don't know nine, eight people or seven people that were dead right off the bat. And he went over to this one woman and. Uh, and checked her out and she had no face the guy blew her face off <laughs> and uh yeah and there was another uh woman who was killed and but she was cradling her um daughter who who survived so hey heroes um <laughs> so you know that's the uh, that's the feel-good story of of the latest uh, <laughs> massacre is that mommy saved baby you know uh <laughs> And, you know, mommy with her face blown off, <laughs> saved baby. Yeah. What a hero. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> you know, if if all only right, so. if, if only she'd been packing a gun, then, you know, then for sure everything would have been all right. But, you know, first thing I thought, I mean, <laughs> all these other people have been packing heat. They could have taken out the shooter. But they were just in their dereliction of duty. Right. They're, they don't want to do the they yeah. don't want to work hard. <laughs> yeah. Part, yeah. part of being a hard worker is yeah if they've been educated these, properly times i mean if you're going to adapt you need to obviously get a gun and be ready to uh-huh. respond to a possible threat right just like putting on your seatbelt, right <laughs> i could have an accident so i want to have my seatbelt on yeah. there could be a shooter i need to have a gun yeah and then speaking of cars there speaking of cars there was the car killings where the guy plowed into a, a bunch of migrants uh did you hear about that uh, eight people killed, but you probably didn't hear about it because they were migrants, so whatever. <laughs> so, you know, just another mass killing, uh, mass murder, uh, three or four a day now. It's just regular. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's just so sickening. Um, 
Yeah, and I just think um, on, on on this level is where you really have to blame. And I think on gun violence and mass shootings, there's a uh, there the tween shall meet problem where Americans watch this horrible stuff happen on television, but then they think about their friends and the people they know. It's like, but I think Americans are good people. The government just won't uh, do this. Uh, most Americans want uh, change to the to the gun laws, and it's and it's like who people are is what happened, right? If you burn buildings down, you're an arsonist, right? I mean, there's, you can't say, well, the buildings are burning down all around me, but I don't want this to be happening. Um, yeah, I mean, Americans either just don't care, they they accept it. Uh, they're kind of like Bernie, right? They're so afraid of something else that they'll accept a nightmare, right? Which is pointless. You've got to be going towards something that is actually really good, which is why I think the Democrats ultimately always fail, is that they don't offer... When you have this despair and darkness, want to look and think that someone is offering you something better than just a different version of of a nightmare, right? Like people didn't follow the Grateful Dead because it was more warmongering, uh, uh, morose, terrorizing, you know, hate-filled shit, right? It was actually fun and positive and happy for them, at least the people that were into it. but uh, yeah, like there's something definitely wrong with the individual American if this just keeps happening and uh, it just d- doesn't stop. And that the most sickening thing about it is that every time it happens, you know it's going to happen again, right? And there's just there's there's no way to stop it because again, to go back to the Bernie example, at the core, I don't think people do really care. You know, and if if you're sort of cold and shut off, agnostic and com- compartmentalized in all of these other ways of your life, how do you suddenly the switch and actually give a shit when all of this horrible shit happens? I don't think you can, and I think that's what explains. Well, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll be sympathetic with the populace, and the um, you know, I don't know what to do myself about it. I'm sure I'm outraged. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not out on the streets myself. Um, so, but I just I'm, think that's I, where, if I may jump in, right. uh, I know I've been talking for a bit, but if I may just jump in and say, I that's sort of illustrating my point. Like the way you are, Dave, I I think you're maybe you're underestimating yourself. What do you mean? Right. I, most people don't, you know, make it a point to uh, at least once a week have a conversation like we do. Mm-hmm. They're not nearly as I mean, just thoughtful, gifted with insight as you are. Uh, and then when it comes to actually doing the reading and being educated, and you've done those things as well. Yeah. Most people aren't like that. Sure. But I, 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 I um, am similar to them in that I am about as equally as powerless in the situation to affect, you know, gun laws or... Um, um, you know, so in that sense, whether or not they're a degree of interest or uh, caring or uh, uh, may or may not be different than than mine, um, I think we're fairly equal in our powerlessness. Uh, speaking of hierarchy, and and I can understand how that if you feel like there isn't much that you can do about a situation, 
you know, why not get, you know, why get so worked up about it, right? Um, you know, I can, I can see that because there's definitely a whole, <laughs> there's a long well, list of things that can cause you despair <laughs> and that, uh, you know, the intense level right. of. Um, but that's brings me back to a point I've made where I think that's a big part of the problem. And, and I don't take it as an absolute given that the situation is just 100 percent powerlessness i mean maybe sure. if people maybe I think if that's people true yeah would would embrace their despair yeah, maybe yeah. if they would embrace right. their pain mm-hmm. right quit trying to not feel it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah right right yeah and if they would actually get their head out of their ass <laughs> and try to use their brain right and and be vaguely articulate and have some idea of what the fuck is going mm-hmm. on and, and, and say and say in a greater numbers you know this is you know we need right. to come together. We need to come together and and say this is enough. However, that get to come together is um, definitely right. there needs to be more to of that. that than there definitely is, which is next to none, right? Except except through the prescribed. Yeah, and there's the prescribed channels of where uh, your political advocacy is in this country, right? And it's 100 percent in the official sense. You're voting, and that's that, right? Exactly. Um, and sure, if you've got a lot of money, then your vote's going to really count, right? Uh, there's that caveat. If you're a rich person, the part of the hierarchy, uh, then you can then you know that you can have uh, effect uh, p- politics because it's all about well, because the, you the can injuries. control who's going to yeah. be the so-called choice in the first right. place. Right. You know. So if you're a rich person, especially on the local level. Uh, you know, but, look, but let me draw a parallel to a, uh, and, you know, right to another issue, uh, the coronavirus pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. The United States was the worst performing nation in the world. And that by and large was because of the people. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like they couldn't, uh, let themselves feel what was going on, deal with it as something other than this inconvenience or disruption or the hilarious government takeover of their lives right they had right. to they had to um, latch on to those weak and and just completely bullshit ideas mm-hmm. yeah or- <laughs> so that they could behave like psychopaths and i do think americans are psychopaths <laughs> and i think that you would uh tend to agree with me well the- on that that yeah, you know, there is a aggressive a, and right. The the, the found and, the core the core zeitgeist. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's strongly alienated, competitive, self indulgent, um, yes. uh, exploitative. Um, how am I gonna um, fuck know. somebody over and get my way? Right, and uh, that there's that strong. That's common. Right. And so that's right. what I'm saying. And it's that also why- it's also central to success. Right. Because, I mean, the, the uh, we were speaking, I was talking about the rich. I if mean, you're a fascist. If, then yes. Right. If you're a rich person and generally you've been trained to have this, uh, you know, that we're going to get ours uh, and the people that make the most money, of course, are the ones they exploit the most you know they they're not going to sit back and just let their money be and <clears throat> uh sit in a bank account and they're just going to be passive no they're going to figure out how that they can take that money and uh you know use it uh, to their advantage use it to their advantage and not for um 
the people. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's about you well, individually they're getting use, it. Use it so <clears throat> that they can enjoy their own lives. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna use it to uh, to oppress other people, mm. which basically is the same thing that the king. Right. does or at least did yeah. the, right the, that it, the, the money was centralized power consolidated mm-hmm. one thing that really came across during the coronation was how deeply intertwined the church and the throne are right that's consolidation of power that's where all the money is that's why that cathedral is so amazing right that's mm-hmm. why the church has this incredible um, presence right mm-hmm. the decor the spectacle of it uh, is on a visual aesthetic level powerful, right? The church doesn't look like a Walmart, although I think these mega churches they're basically making them look like a place where you'd have a Taylor Swift show, right? Um, but but with the um, all the things that you were talking about, the, the zeitgeist, I would totally agree with. And what I think is, has happened is since the Reagan revolution, especially is that the common person has internalized the mentality of the rich. So you can't just blame the rich, right? The Mm -hmm. average person really does think, and this is so 1980s, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to make it right. I'm wheeling and dealing and I'm Mm going to, I'm in college Mm -hmm. and I've joined a fraternity and (laughs) I'm going to hook up the good looking trim and I'm meeting these people and I'm going to be a successful business person. And, um, I am I am going to get rich. Right. And then, hell, maybe I'll run for Congress or uh, my good buddy will. And they and everybody thinks that they're right on the verge of that. Right. Things are going to explode for you. You're going to be a star. I mean, the number of times I heard that uh, when I was working on my doctorate, I'm going to be famous, maybe a big name in the field. That's that Donald Trump uh, mentality character persona Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. through and through every time you just salesman speculation hype building people up and again that's what the coronation is you're really 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 building up this one person like wow right and so if you're not that bright if you don't really think about things if you're easily just swept into the momentum of of the moment and everybody's paying attention to this oh what's this over here oh well look at that oh oh my god (laughs) right um, then you just in a your thoughtless, mindless, uh, head up your ass way think, oh, I guess that person is really important and they can scream and yell at me and you know make me quake in fear. But the church, the, the church, uh, fools you and the you know the king kills you, right? There's the threat of the violence and force from the king, and then the church is basically saying, right, you better be good, you better behave the way we want you to behave. Um, and that's really what people do with their money, right? They get other people to behave the way they want them to behave, which is a sinister uh, use of, of, of money instead of saying, hey, I got a bunch of money. I'm going to I'm going to party. <laughs> I'm going to travel. <laughs> help out my fa- fellow man, you know. So, right. I'm going to help so, out my, my, my fellow man. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I was I was thinking when you were talking about approval, uh, I mean, numbers of people that say that they want gun control. And then it made me think of this, uh, uh, this headline, Biden faces bleak approval numbers as he starts reelection campaign. So, uh, yeah, let's let's go uh, uh, shit on Biden for the week. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, let, let's see what some of his um, 
in the Biden Trump matchup, 44% of, let's see, there are a whole bunch of numbers here. Uh, Biden Trump matchup, 44% of respondents said they would definitely or probably vote for Mr. Trump and 38% for Mr. Biden. And the Biden DeSantis matchup, 42% said they would definitely or probably vote for Mr. DeSantis and 47% for Mr. Biden. Margin of error, 3.5%. So then we have uh, most Democrats and Democratic-leaning voters, 48% with a margin of error of plus or minus 5.5 points said they wanted the party to nominate someone other than Mr. Biden in 2024. So, uh, and But, but uh, how, do you, how is this for Biden, right? You, you've got these mass shootings. Yeah. And Biden doesn't make an appearance. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have anything to say. He acts like this isn't mm-hmm. any big deal, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about with the American character, this blase, but I'm tough, and mm-hmm. we just have to live with it. And Well, there's nothing I can do about it. And um, thoughts, thoughts and prayers at most. But uh, here's the somebody. thing. There is nothing you can do about it if your whole world is just wrapped up in yourself, right? When right. you think that your life is... This is my job, my career. I'm getting ahead. I'm a mom. You know, I'm a businessman, right? I, I I have a job. I'm busy. People have to work. They go to work. I hear that a, a lot. And so, if that's how you look at your life, and you think that you're, uh, you know, Brenda badass because uh, uh, rake in a paycheck. Right. I've got a job and that also get ego. And this is how I gain acceptance. You know, in the end, when I'm walking around the grocery store or I'm out and about in, in public, you know, I'm paying my own way. I'm earning it and, and I can hold my head up high. And that's definitely how Americans think. You've got to have a job and you're supposed to have a job. And that really is what your life is. And so when it comes to all this other stuff, you kind of just zone out and you're a good American and you believe. And like you can question people's actions, but you can't question their motives. The system's not perfect, but it's the best system that there is. And you then have your, you know, your social life where you're uh, having a good time, going to nice restaurants. And again, you want to maintain that popularity. You want to keep the partner that you have and get some other uh, orgasm on the side. <laughs> I mean, the whole sex in the city. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, a very popular show. So mm-hmm. that is one way to get some sense of what people like. So if there's a show that's really popular and it seems to co- connect, resonate with the times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, these are these are women, but they they kind of have this. Uh, but yeah, but it was all the parts were written by gay men. So they come across as like these aggressive, <laughs> you know, I've rarely in my life. Uh, so instead of because that's the show that would sell, right? If it was a show about gay men going out to hit on other gay men, it would have. Yeah. But if it's four good-looking women, but but yeah, it's great for men too because then men are like, oh yeah, this This woman just is. Women are just like us too, and they're just out there wanting to fuck all the time. (laughs) 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 Uh, But I do. Where where is about this? But this is. Not to say that women might not want to fuck all the time, that they just still, um, I mean, (laughs) it's a little risky to push yourself out in the same way, you know, because of the uh, (laughs) power dynamic there, Um, you know, you're likely to get taken advantage of. For sure. But if you look at Sex in the City, both the the characters in the the shows and Mm -hmm. then 
if you think about the culture that that obviously comes out of and in turn draws in and which is why it was so popular that type of person for sure is never going to uh lead a revolution right they're not going to do anything about mass shootings right that they'll only wear a mask if they uh as we pointed out align with you know being liberal and the rules are right the uh the cdc says got to wear it then they'll wear it but they don't they don't wear it because they think they have anything in common with everyone else right that they all face the threat of this lethal and destructive virus mm. and that if they don't die from it themselves if they're spreading it then for sure somebody else is going to die they they don't see themselves as part of the larger world connected to the larger world and that really is a reflection of poor character mm. if if you're that fixated on this is just me and this is what i do and this is all i can do that is a reflection of poor character because it's not true you are connected you can make a difference we know this because there have been revolutions woodstock actually did happen people do rebel and revolt it has happened right it has happened and so that means that the common ordinary person is capable of more than what we are seeing from them today. So let's link in uh, link the uh, uh, hedonism of sex in your city with uh, local a little of our local news. The uh, first Monday, uh, I mean first Saturday of uh, every May is the Kentucky Derby in Louisville, Kentucky at Churchill Downs. And uh, which ran this um, last week. And now uh, we've talked about this before, previous derbies uh, on the podcast. But, uh, you know, the derby used to be uh, a much more of a bacchanal, right? It was uh, really wild, especially in the infield, was just known as a just a, a sotten bacchanal. And then they would have a they would have a street party all night, um, uh, you know, uh they're all around Churchill Downs uh, with many, many, many thousands of people just in the streets. Uh, and then they I'm, I'm not sure when they cracked down on that. I think that was kind of in the 80s, you know, surprise, surprise. Uh, Reagan they, Revolution. Yeah, when they they started cracking down on that. And and, and then the uh, black folks from the West End uh, tried to do their own thing where they would cruise down Broadway. And then they shut that down. That was in right. the, the late 90s. Uh, so now you're left with this corporate husk, uh, the basically Las Vegas, uh, you know, because there's betting involved. So uh, it's basically a Las Vegas show that lasts for two minutes. <laughs> well, the whole show is well, it's ten, you know, ten or twelve uh, races through the day, and you know, there's pomp and circumstance, and everybody wears their silly hat, and uh, but yeah, it's it's been totally. Um, you know, you can't get wild like you used to, I'm sure. But you can you can drink your expensive bourbon there. Who knows how much uh, these drinks cost if, if you go, if you're uh, unfortunate to go uh, uh, to Churchill Downs for the Derby. Uh, but you were mentioning that our governor, Brashear, was, was was he pushing bourbon at the at the Derby? Yep. Or? <laughs> yeah. So, of course, Maker's, Maker, uh, is it Maker's Mark or was it... Uh, Woodford Reserve, yeah, I think Woodford Reserve, which is the Brown family uh, brand, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, that was one of the sponsors 
uh, although it's interesting, I guess there's still sort of a ban on having liquor in ads, so I'm not sure how they get around that. They don't, maybe it's everybody's drinking one. They're showing people drinking a mint julep, you know, and so what did he say? Did he just mention the bourbon industry or what did he say? Well, when uh, when he was presenting the trophy uh-huh. to the uh, yeah. To the winners, who, uh-huh. who, by the way, on a, on another uh, theme, uh-huh. were from Venezuela. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. The winning winning team was, and they were, uh, and I was like, "Wow, how does this happen? Right? How can a communist right. country with the worst economy in the world, where like everybody is starving to death, and, and, how can they also have these uh, wealthy, accomplished horse trainers?" Well, that- uh, but but there's a caveat there. Uh, it was a co-owned, it was a cooperatively owned thing. There were like 300 owners of this horse. So, oh, no even, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, a, you know, there were some that owned more shares, but it was, you know, quite a few people invested in this horse. So even that was not, uh, didn't fit the mold. Thinking, <laughs> Especially the, the mold there, which is very much old money Kentucky, you know. It's all about the hierarchy, right? It's the It's the rich people's. Uh, place where you go and you show off your wealth and uh that's why they had to shut down it's a deep contempt for ordinary people that's why they had to shut down all the parties around mm -hmm. where the derby was that's just not i'm glad that you mentioned that it's now become very much well it's a brand of course a a big corporate brand you know so and a a celebration of the uh, aristocracy Mm -hmm. the derby has yeah and so whenever there were protests for the uh brianna taylor uh, the height of of those things. There were some pretty big protests outside of the Derby, and of course, did you see that on the TV uh, <laughs> for the corporate show? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the, they they made sure any any um, anything that's um, uh, difficult. But I mean, fortunately for them, they didn't have any horses die on the track, even though four died uh, there at Churchill Downs uh, within few days of <laughs> of the actual uh, running two of them just uh died from injuries when they were uh, uh racing uh had to be put down and but two just dropped dead <laughs> and uh you know we've talked about that before this is another uh you know not only is it this lame corporate thing that has no culture left to it you know we've i've compared uh uh mardi gras which is the only authentic a cultural event in the United States anymore. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure they would like to get, you know, buy up all that uh, too, but they haven't succeeded there. Uh, but they definitely succeeded uh, with Derby. And, uh, you know, but the, but the, behind all that, you have these young horses. They're just three years old. It's really hard on them um, to be running as hard as they are, you know, and going 35 miles an hour at breakneck speed with somebody on their back, all these other horses around. Um, they're, they're pretty fucking wild horses. Uh, <laughs> they dope them up to the gills. Uh, Bob Bafferty, the famous trainer, of course, he's, he's been banned because he, his winning horse, was that a year ago or is that two years ago? Uh, the, uh, had I'm to be disqualified sure. two years ago. Yeah, it was disqualified because it was, you know, dr- drugged it up too much. Uh, they got got busted on that. I'm, I'm sure he's still working behind the scenes. He just couldn't, you know, show up and 
have his Couldn't own horses the there. Anymore. Couldn't be the front man. I think that's about the extent of can't, the... can't wear those uh, tinted blue glasses. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he probably the Americans just love it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that you just you put these rich people on there, and mm. the American locks in whether it's a conservative or a liberal. That's the thing they have in common is that they're all just so wrapped up in what these rich people are doing. That is sickening, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why nothing happens on uh, gun violence. And I think for Bashir, is it Bashir or Bashir? Bashir. B E. B. To be or not to Bashir. Okay. And, you know, so he endorses bourbon. And sure. Yeah, it's kind of the industry has exploded as as um, I've mentioned before. You know, Nancy knows this internally because she was a um, now retired, uh, thank God. But she was taught um, uh, and was a chemical engineer herself, and that's kind of that is the main uh, engineer. You know, the main engineers who make bourbon. Uh, you know, it's uh, fluid flow and. Uh, distillation and all those things are central to chemical engineering and so a lot of her students are have now gone into the exploding uh, bourbon business and like i was just going down to raywick which is uh, in marion county raywick's the uh, famous center of the cornbread mafia and my friend has some property on the river down there and uh, on the way down there uh, on this loop there's this huge uh construction area for jefferson's jefferson's bourbon is the name of this new place so there uh, not only is every bourbon place uh expanding their warehouse space unbelievably there's just hundreds of these things uh bourbon warehouse bourbon barrel warehouse storage places uh for those that don't know for it to be bourbon it has to be stored uh for i think it's like a year and a half for the most minimum in barrels and for, i think straight bourbon is five years and, and of course the expensive stuff like the uh, woodford reserve that's even more you know and it gets more and more and so all this is expanding but yet uh i mean what what is what kind of industry is this is this like um making cars is this uh making trains is this uh making the green economy is this uh something that's going to be productive or is it something that eh, it's productive in the very slightest sense in that it produces something people like okay uh but is this really <laughs> is this something good for society and and um and i really question it well with with me and i know this is come as a big shock but i just um have to point out the hypocrisy of a prohibitionist governor uh -huh, right, right. touting a drug that is harder and more dangerous than cannabis right or or and what he should be and possibly be any there. other the so-called um uh, dangerous drugs right um you know, inc including heroin or methamphetamine or any of these other ones. Um, I'd right. say they're Which definitely people, within the same same. Uh, like Bashir and Democrats and Republicans alike always fall back on and take great pride in saying, this is how we're protecting uh, the, the public. This mm -hmm. is how we protect the, the youth. The children. Right? You've got school shootings. You've got child labor. You've got children going back into poverty because they let the child tax credit expire it's like no i don't i don't <laughs> buy it i don't think, really think you give a damn about these these people um but th the thing is is that 
if it's a prohibition state, the governor could at least just not say anything about bourbon. It could just be on behalf of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Congratulations on being the winner of this year's mm. Kentucky Derby. Mm. Right. How hard was that? Yeah. He has to give the sales pitch. Right. right. Company man. To- I mean, it, you, you cannot say it any other way because it was the main, the one at the top sponsor of the whole fucking thing is a bourbon, <laughs> you know. So him right. bringing so that up in the situation, what really, who really, I'm sure, runs the state, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why not just put the real person up there instead of, yeah, the Laura, Laura Lee, Laura Lee Brown or whoever is the an owner, yeah, the the front man. Right, not yeah. the real. Yeah, yeah. The re- you pretend to be the governor, but you mm-hmm. know the chairman of the board of, of Woodford Reserve. The is it the Brown family? Is that yeah, the, yeah, Brown probably family, connected yeah. to the Brown Hotel in Louisville. Yeah, yeah. Is it part of the same? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So dynasty. And I have nothing against people having money. I want to make that clear. Uh, but one, you have to acknowledge the reality of it, and two, you don't have to. Um, uh, you just don't you don't have to uh, bow down to their agenda. Right. I mean, right, and yeah. again, I could use the cannabis as a perfect example, like Kentucky could be the Colorado of the South. All of these wealthy people and the governor could use his uh, political power, which, of course, he does have. Uh, and I'm mainly thinking about Bashir taking the executive action on the medical marijuana, which, as I've said before, I will give him credit for doing that especially in a place like Kentucky, it's few and far between that you see any kind of action like that by a governor, but it's also just so inadequate. And so I think Bashir has to be called out because if he's going to take any executive action at all, he's acknowledging that he knows that prohibition is wrong, but he still sympathizes mm-hmm. with it. He still adheres to it. Well, and, until until's expanded to cover the whole drug war, it's just not sufficient. It's not... Uh you're not really going to be able to solve the real problems of the drug war uh, in, until you say that the drug war itself is the problem, not just uh, that pot right. should be, drugs, the drugs are bad. you know, that cannabis is the thing that's okay that we can legalize, but everything else, oh, God, no, 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 no. Well, right, but I'm saying we haven't even gotten to that stage. Sure. Right. right. Like, let's let's get the cannabis legalized. Then we can talk about the hypocrisy. The other. Drugs well, still at be. least Brashear has been, uh, um, you know, he's like, I guess because it's the medical merit, you know, the medical uh, cannabis uh, part of it is just so overwhelmingly popular. It's safe for him to be like, OK, I think we should have something here and I'll make an executive order that will do it. And then. Then, then we finally pass this thing, which I guess will be the only thing that will happen for the next five years, is this totally lame uh, medical, um, I guess it's just edibles, right? And it's you can't grow it. You can't say, you, you can. You, right, in Kentucky of all places, they say you, you can't grow it. And one <laughs> thing that you'll notice is the media never make a big deal out of it. Courier-Journal, the Herald-Misleader. Never mm-hmm. talk about, never have a headline of, you know, what a joke this medical marijuana law is. You know, how come Kentuckians can't grow their own pot? You never see anything like that in any of these papers. So why do people read this shit? <laughs> why do you have to read a, a newspaper if you know it's just a right-wing piece of shit? 
because you love it because everybody else reads the Courier Journal. And if you're going to be popular and look all astute and scholarly and smart brain person liberal, you have to read that in the Reefer Madness Times. So before you got to read your papers and your sources, and you got to believe it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, just the this uh, adherence to conservatism, and like there's there is kind of a similarity between Bashir and and Bernie in that, like Bashir doesn't really seem to feel it or believe it mm-hmm. when he um, is wanting to uh, take a step forward. It's like he knows. I, I think that Bashir isn't. Uh, a cruel person and so sure. he it does bother him he's the cruelty of the republicans mm-hmm. yeah like, and Bashir doesn't really believe in something other than what the republicans believe in yeah and I, like right. i was mentioning a week or two ago whenever there was the the old republic or new republic <laughs> or whatever was bank that was shot up uh in louisville back a couple weeks ago uh you know, I, I was and Many of them were very close friends that were killed by this mass shooter, uh, mass murderer. Uh, I was at the time, I was like, now, if this guy isn't radicalized by that, you know, what what a weakling, right? If he isn't like coming out and being like, I'm sick of this, these fucking guns, man. I don't give a shit if I'm going to be unpopular or get out of this. Uh, Very well said. Yes. That this again, clinging to the need to be popular and oh my God, what happens? You know, my numbers go down or somebody doesn't like what what I'm I'm saying and Mm -hmm. you'll get nowhere as long as I got to be even on both sides, even though these fucking guns have killed all my friends. (laughs) Right. There's like, you can't, there's nothing to compromise on. There's nothing to, um, um, there's zero defense for our, our gun laws. None. There's no defense for, uh, these mass shootings. It's bullshit that this ever happened. Mm -hmm. And now everybody's being conditioned to just, this is going to happen Mm -hmm. and you just have to accept it. And, and that's what I'm, getting on the people's case for is that what will the people do they'll just accept it because you can say that about this year but you can also say it about the average person like how come it doesn't radicalize the average individual that it really really upsets them and that they're going to quit worrying about being popular i mean that was the wonderful thing about the counterculture was that the whole point was i'm not going to be liked you know i i am going to be shunned by my family Right. I'm, I'm not going to have the security of um, uh, regular, normal, everyday accepted uh, life. Right. But I'm moving towards something that actually is good and hopeful and positive because I'm seeing society for what it really is. I'm seeing it for this nightmare of war and murder that it really is. And these people can't can't do it on the on the shooting at the at the bank and also when the Kentucky legislature passed its hate-filled anti-trans legislation mm-hmm. right, right around the same time mm-hmm. that their brethren fascists in Tennessee were doing the same thing and you could see the the same uh, problem with Bashir on that issue as uh, with the guns Bashir was really upset and called the Kentucky Republicans callous because a Democrat in the Kentucky legislature had a uh, transgender son who 
had uh, killed themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And right after that, the Republicans passed the uh, transphobic anti-trans legislation. So it was clearly just uh, really stick it to her and you know add on the pain. And Bashir sees how himself says this is callous. So it's like, so, you know, these people are callous. So why don't you fight them? Why do you sympathize with why do you adhere to their beliefs? Right. And that's the weakness in the character of, of the American person, whether it's a governor or whether it's the average citizen. That's the weakness in the American character. Well, a good thing that um, listener that uh, uh, we have a strong character that you can rely on every week. We uh, we wake up at least at three o'clock p.m. every day so we can um every, at least once a week, I mean, usually it's later, but we'll wake up at 3 p.m. on a Monday afternoon so we can bring you the best in podcasting. You know, we're movers, go-getters uh, for you. You're welcome. Well, again, I, I just have to point out, if uh, if most Americans were as uh, thoughtful and actually made time for open and honest discussion of what's going on the way that we did the way that the way that we do uh america would be different i mean for example the republican party wouldn't exist the democrats would be the conservative uh option on the ballot right and you would have you would have all of the things that you and i actually uh want right we wouldn't have this insane military spending and we wouldn't have a war on drugs for starters. For starters, mm-hmm. be brave, folks. Come together, unite. All right. So it's uh, it's up to the uh, American people. We'll have to see what happens with the American character. This is how the revolution ends, <laughs> not with a bang, but a whimper. <laughs> for my co-host, whimper, 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 my co-host. <laughs> David Vernon Miller, this is Dr. David W. Overby, and you've been listening to the Oblivion Podcast.